Hi, welcome to Indian Artpreneur. I'm your host, Sushma Udupa. For the past 11 weeks, we spoke to performing artists from various backgrounds and we saw how each of these artists overcame the odds in their path towards success. We now reach episode number 12, the final episode of our first season, Victory Against the Odds. To make this episode special, we have a prestigious guest from Norway. But before I proceed to introduce our guest, let us listen to this music. is our guest, Srimati Sudeshna Bhattacharya, who is one among the three known women Sarod players in the world. After initiating her early training from her father, Pandit Sri Krishnamohan Bhattacharya, she was trained under the able guidance of one of the greatest Sarod maestros of the world, Ustad Amjad Ali Khan. Let us listen to this episode as Srimati Sudeshna Bhattacharya shares her journey with Indian Artpreneur. Hello Sudeshna ji, welcome to Indian Artpreneur. Thank you. It's an honor to have you on our platform. So you play the sarod. Can you briefly tell our audience about this instrument? It's an instrument of 19 string. It's uh, made of uh, <clears throat> wood. Mine one is made of teak wood. So it can uh, be two types, teak wood or another wood called tun. And uh, the right hand side, the drum is uh, covered with goat skin. And in the left, we have the board, which is fretless. And uh, we are playing in mainly fourth string and then two string more that we call chikari. Uh, we are using that and uh, there is 11 sympathetic string and, and uh, on the right hand we are playing with a plectrum made from coconut shell which is a very um, a different thing than like we don't see an instrument like that and in left hand another particularity of this instrument is in left hand we play with two fingers and with the nails, so not with the finger top, with the nails, uh, and without nail it doesn't sound. So that is a very much particular thing of the, uh, my instrument, Sarod. And basically they say there is many type of things. Some says that in India already it there was a kind of Sarod. It, it had a name of a Veena and it remodified. And some said we are influenced from the Rabab of Afghanistan and it remodified and became Sarod. So there are two kind of history about that. Something like thousand years old instrument, yeah. You come from a family of musicians and I believe you're the third generation musician in your uh, family. So how was your childhood like being surrounded with music and musicians? Do you have any vivid memories that you would like to share with us? Yeah, the, uh, it's not only memory. I think I was privileged to to, uh, to get birth in a family like that. First of all, because uh, Sarod is uh, basically stayed for, uh, in the men's world. So... Uh, it was mostly not played by women. It's a quite hard instrument to start up. So generally it doesn't happen in families, but because of my family, I got it at the age of four. So that is the first thing I should mm -hmm. say. And they, <clears throat> it was very easy for me to, to continue to practice, to rectify as father was there. 
and uh, my um, <clears throat> grandpa, father, and then uh, uncles also, elder uncles, elder uncles and my, <clears throat> my father. So that was very helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, secondly, that the childhood memory is uh, Papa coming back home from work. He is an engineer, civil engineer. He was working and he was coming back home and then like five, six tabla players are sitting whom I used to say uncle and everybody is practicing playing. Sundays used to be huge, like whole day going on, not only Sarod, Esraj and the aunties come singing. So it was a wholesome atmosphere. What was... Uh, helpful, joyful, and also very. I could learn actually very much without my understanding. I did not know that I am learning uh, because mm -hmm. I used to be with them. So that was an amazing thing to. to Sounds beautiful. Yeah, yeah, to be there. It was very nice. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, your father, uh, Pandit uh, Shri Krishnamohan Bhattacharya ji, was also trained in Hindustani vocals. And your grandfather, uh, Pandit Shri Viswanath Bhattacharya ji, he also played the Esraj. So, along with uh, Sarod, did you also get trained in vocals and Esraj from them? Yeah, vocal was uh, vocal is kind, kind of mandatory when you are learning an Indian classical instrument. If you don't mm -hmm. know how to sing, then you cannot play almost because okay. everything to learn and remember, everything you need a, a vocal trade, you need to sing actually. Mm -hmm. So that was obviously, my father is, <clears throat> is a Drupad singer, which was a plus point for me. Now mm -hmm. when I grew up, I, I feel that, uh, so I could learn this ancient form of uh, Indian classical music, which is like amazingly beautiful. And mm -hmm. Israj, yes, I learned from father. My grandpa died. Uh, I did not see yeah. him. So I uh, I got uh, uh, I got some training from father. I have the Israj at home also. And uh, yeah, I play it. Okay. And I play another instrument called Mohan Vina. Vina is oh, yes. an instrument uh -huh. uh, made by Radhika Mohan Maitra. It uh -huh. is a um, kind of, uh, yeah modified sarod or something you can say it is a having a veena and sitar mixed sound and i play okay. that also so okay okay uh, is it uh, once you learn one particular uh, string instrument for example sarod uh, is it relatively easy to go on playing and learning or experimenting these other uh, instruments maybe a sitar mohanavina or other techniques totally different uh, techniques totally different can be something some problem the uh, mm -hmm. sitar and uh, some like esraj these are these can be really uh, very easy to adopt and understand and uh, quite a quick thing after mm -hmm. if it is kind of like esraj is bowing instrument so you have to learn the bowing where plectrum instrument mm -hmm. but then if the fingertip is different then it's the, like sarangi the finger we are using that part like the uh, beginning of nail that part so that could be a different feeling but I think once you learn very properly one instrument mm -hmm. it is actually easy it helps you anyway to to learn the others or to even be able to play a little uh, possible yeah nice nice interesting to know um, there are only three known female Sarut players in the world and you're one of them so this got me curious. Is there any particular reason why there are less number of Sarod players compared to sitar or other similar music instruments? Yeah, I uh, basically look. This is not really told in a way, but uh, what happens in India when a uh, when there is a girl child is two main thing is focused when it is question of music is one is singing. Mm. And one is dance. Obviously, dance is a very beautiful way for women to express themselves. So uh, they get also attracted. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the, the little children. So this is the most popular two things. Then you will see gradually the next option comes for normal guitar. Or if the person wants really um, to learn uh, instrument. And then sitar. Uh, the, mm. the thing is, sitar has a fret. So when they they're starting at least they are tuned and sarod is fretless so it's much more difficult to make nice sound at the beginning so that mm -hmm. but that is same for man and woman so mm. there they it is not question of girls 
<clears throat> the main thing what I feel, what I heard in my childhood is you need a very good right hand actually, which is so-called very masculine because mm -hmm. the right hand of sitar is more, uh, the sound is more feeble. I'm mm -hmm. not telling, by the way, I'm not telling that you you can be feeble and play. I'm just yeah. telling the sound is more. And ours is this plectrum uh, taking it like in the whole hand. And the uh, strokes are more uh, forcefully, should be forcefully done. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, what happens if uh, we can hear some ladies who are not having this beautiful right hand so mm -hmm. they have aesthetic they have everything the left hand is beautiful but the right hand is so feeble then easily you can say oh it's not really so sarod is happening mm -hmm. so that is that is only the thing i could see in my childhood and uh, uh, people were like a bit women were a bit uh, avoiding or their parents rather avoiding that instrument and another thing is it was always a rare instrument more rare than sitar mm -hmm. so if you don't have in family, then it is very difficult because to go to somebody and to start to learn and to tune the instrument and all this, mm -hmm. it it was another it is another reason. But the main reason is sarod was always called a masculine instrument in your Indian language. We say sarod mard ka instrument hai, mm -hmm. and that's why it was like this right hand thing, and it's like. Okay, not rather I think it's better to say it's not like many women learned. It's like it was not recognized actually. Mm -hmm. Like if some learned, they they were probably so feeble that they were not recognized that as a good sarod player because you need to mm -hmm. have a bold right hand okay. as well. So that is probably the reason that. But now it is it is becoming a bit more popular and okay uh, but uh, seeing that you have been performing since the 1999 you know touring and everything back then uh, being uh, a female uh, sarod player uh, in a kind of male uh, dominated uh, field of playing sarod was it uh, difficult or challenging to establish yourself uh, look i started uh, to make concert at the age of seven actually in india and uh -huh. I got the national scholarship both. I stood first in all the all the competitions I did. So when I was teenager and uh, I was playing in different part of India in Kolkata and uh, I br b born and brought up there, there was no problem. I mean, okay. it was like, I mean, childhood, teenage, no problem. Uh -huh. Then when I was a bit more elderly and like around 1920, I joined the cine club of the of the Kolkata, of Kolkata so I was playing background music for cinema and okay. I worked there also uh, along with my concerts okay. there I felt that they were feeling very uncomfortable with my existence and I remember I once I'm always a bit uh, outspoken person I, I ask question if mm. it is something strange so I asked to a director that what is the problem why they are behaving like uh, something is strange and then they, he, he said that last 60 years uh, <clears throat> history of us after the um, after india got independent we have never got a woman uh, as in studios who are coming with a taxi and playing and making two shifts sometime we have not seen something like that so uh -huh. they're not being able to match with the with the situation they don't know what to do so <laughs> that was very funny for me but it happened and sometime mm -hmm. it was disturbing because some are like uh, either disturbing me or some are like completely avoiding it was not like a colleague relation but in okay. classical field I personally did not feel any trouble okay. my guru is you know Ustad Amjad Ali Khan Shaib, he is very yes. well known so he used to introduce me with people who are like good players and I had a lot of tabla player friends when I grew up naturally. Mm -hmm. So there I did not, I don't, I cannot say that I felt any problem or after if we call, talk about discrimination, we have it in India. Mm. I was not victim, but we have in India. That's right. true. Right. Um, but and then um, I came in France and it is a completely different world so okay. here I did not probably if I would stay whole life in India maybe I would gather much more different things yes. uh, experience but yes. uh, <clears throat> no I don't have something very harsh about okay. that.
I'm very glad it worked out very well for you, Sudeshna ji. <laughs> um, so going back to your childhood, were you always a serious learner, even as a child? Like how long did your RIA sessions last? In childhood, it was <laughs> when complete. I started at the age of four. So at the beginning, it 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 goes slowly. But I had to. My father was very strict, so I had to like st- stay there and play and try and all that. And then when I uh, g- so I gave my first. So I got my first national scholarship at the age of nine. Mm-hmm. And uh, first concert was seven, and radio concert, radio program, and television also at that age. Okay. So you can understand that I had to practice, but mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how long at that moment because it was very much father oriented. Like when he is yes. telling, how much he is telling. Mm-hmm. Uh, then when I started to school, go to school, I remember that the uh, weekends used to be like uh, eight hours around. Um, but uh, yeah and but school days like something like either four hours or three hours nor no, cannot be more because we used to be school in school the whole the day so that eight hour program stayed long time in life because mm-hmm. it was like whenever it is possible it is at least eight hours and then papa used to tell like uh, try to not stop at all in these eight hours so eight mm-hmm. hours <clears throat> without stop uh, we used to make a night, uh, na- uh, whole night or whole day also. Okay. That is with the tabla player friends. It's mm-hmm. like starting seven in the evening, going on like playing one raga. The raga is finished without stopping. The according to time, the next raga according to so because you know that there are ragas of different time in the day. Yes. So according to the time, changing the ragas, playing from Alab George Hala till Gat, and the tabla players is playing with us and. <clears throat> with me sorry and till jhala so uh, seven to seven like we call it kind of chilla is like you do three days or like uh, going on so uh-huh. those things happened a lot that time okay that is some enormous amount of dedication uh, but you mentioned you were just four years old when you started learning and uh, i mean for a little girl to hold a big instrument and practice for long hours wasn't it difficult yeah, but we have very small size sarod for the children. Ah, okay. So that was the first thing. I remember one thing my father gave, because I was very curious. I really wanted to learn as I saw him playing and everybody. So he gave his sarod first, but I could not put it on my lap. It was too big. So I had put it in front and then he used to, uh, he, I recognize, he told me to to see what is ma and sing with that and sa, pa and um, karat sa. So mm-hmm. I used to do like that, like one week or two weeks. And I remember still now the huge day when my own sarod came. Because mm-hmm. you have to order and it takes time to make. And then I could put it on my lap. It's a very small, tiny sarod. Uh-huh. I had uh, probably three or four size of sarod. And then you get to the adult size, actually. Okay, okay. You were under your father's tutelage until the age of eight and then proceeded to learn from the veteran maestro Ustad Amjad Ali Khan. So how did this happen? Uh, this was a, 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 fa- a very sweet story, actually. It is, as I told you, I got this junior scholarship from CCRT, so it's a national government scholarship. I was the smallest uh, person who got the scholarship uh, that mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And uh, they sent the letter telling that if you want to go to uh, uh, somebody else also as well, not like leaving your father, mm-hmm. but if you want to go to some maestro, somebody else, you can, we are going to pay for for the, okay. for, for the teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, the gharana, the ghar, we say, the schooling I am from, Mm -hmm. Uh, The biggest maestro of our schooling is Ustadzi. And uh, we, my father was good friend of Vishwanath Bosch, Ji, Pandit Vishwanath Bosch, who is the father of Pandit Kumar Bosch. Okay. Uh, Vishwanath Bosch was not yet alive, but uh, Kumada, uh, so that family was very near to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kumar Bosch was playing with Ustadji that time. Uh, so we m- made a cassette, so I played, Kumada played with me, and we made a cassette, and we asked to him if can 
give to him so he can because when we contacted him he said it's okay but i don't teach the beginner and she's very uh-huh. small so i yes. don't teach this beginner so we had to send him something like he see that if you want to take me and so kumar the, the funniest part is kumar the bot brought this cassette with him i still remember they had a concert in darjeeling and he came back and he said he did not hear the cassette telling that she can anybody can record Oh, okay it can uh-huh. be not hard so <laughs> we were like wow so it's like really i mean i could not imagine to make a record by somebody but it was that like that he um, thinking so uh-huh. then we made him in kolkata in kalam mandir the same time almost uh-huh. and uh, he called me at his home in kolkata <clears throat> so i went with the sarod and i sat there i was playing bhairavi and he he started to count i was playing in japtal he okay. obviously started to count and he, he he looked at me it's like are you playing japtal because he he was probably sure i would play only tintal and he uh-huh. felt uh, we i could just see his face was different uh-huh. and uh, i played some uh, this uh, likeari we call deri yari some um, uh, um, like a difficult part of uh, tal and uh-huh. when i played that he said it's okay it's okay give me the form i want to sign it okay. so it was a beautiful story actually that uh, and uh-huh. gurus are like that they will not tell you thousand time bravo uh, this and that it was uh, inside the rule almost like uh, they almost don't tell you much good because uh, Yeah, India used to be believe you will spoil then. <laughs> so, yes. But it was very sweet this um, taking the form and immediately signing it and never any problem after that. So uh-huh. that how I went to him actually in very little age, very very yeah, I was quite young. Wonderful, wonderful. You must have very fond memories uh, there. Uh, coming to your international performances you made your first europe tour in 1999 touring belgium switzerland france sweden and norway can you talk a bit about that also how easy or difficult was it back then in the 1990s to approach the authorities and get opportunities to perform indian arts abroad it was not difficult what happened okay. actually that uh, i uh, i got some students back in india actually who are from france uh-huh. and uh, there was actually student from israel as well and canada and this and that but one of the french uh, student told me that he would if i so i if i want to go uh, he can apply in a particular place Mm-hmm. so i that time i did not understand what he meant by applying but actually he he talked with the organization who are uh, see, listening to the cd and taking the like uh, taking the person as their artist so okay. actually that happened that that how i went in france and then from the next year i was working with the cultural ministry so it mm-hmm. went in a very proper channels so i did not have to struggle in that way at all okay. after okay. yeah the society is different and um, i remember in switzerland for example the first concert i did the people were not at all moving and i thought they are hating my concert but at <laughs> the end of the concert they were like applauding very much coming to me telling what uh-huh. they were feeling so this uh-huh. particular thing <clears throat> happen in few countries but for example france is a country what is not only cultural they are they they love very much to discover new thing uh-huh. so the privilege probably was going to france that uh, i directly got a public who are amazing who are curious who would do anything to go to the concert who would talk to you later uh, i uh, i ha- i confronted people who were crying after my music they feel so much moved so these belgium france these parts was amazing about that matter so it was very it was the playing concert there there was a, a beautiful feeling so uh, yeah so that was the beginning it was not at all uh, a trouble to do and then from um 2000 onward i was working with the cultural ministry and then i started to stay there because i had a contract to stay first one year and then they they uh, made it for 10 years <clears throat> so yeah so that went really very well in 
Um, also, when traveling extensively, especially during your international tours for concerts, how do you maintain your music instruments? For example, if suddenly you need a repair with a sarod or any accompanying instruments, uh, do you have access to easy help? Not at all. And one accident happened in my life I will never forget. It was uh-huh. actually I was in Budapest. And uh, from Budapest, I fly to Norway, to Oslo, actually. I was living in France then. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the night I fly back, I have this very hard, good case and everything. And uh, I, um, it was very late, the flight, because of snowstorm. So I arrived very late in Norway, mm-hmm. in Oslo. And then mm-hmm. I, so overnight, next day was starting off workshop with students. So I could not even open the Sarod box to see, but the box is completely okay, as I used to travel a lot. So it's like you see your suitcase is there, your Sarod is there. I did not even think for a blink of second that there can be a problem. And next day I directly, early morning, 7.30, went to the place for workshop. I opened the Sarod and I saw the the, uh, skin was broken and it was completely like somebody has put pressure and I could not the first thing happened like I looked at the sorrow and I started to cry because for me it's like my my heart has like somebody so near of my heart has got an accident so I like stayed like that I don't know how many minutes or and then I started to think what can I do so the uh, some concerts had to be cancelled and workshop and I had to contact in India Fortunately, Papa was, ha- my father was having uh, just a Sarod because the problem is the standard of Sarod I play, it, it takes minimum six to seven months to make one new. Oh, oh. And you can change the skin obviously very easily, but that was no option. I was in Oslo and I had to, uh, that is happening in Kolkata. Mm-hmm. So, but my father actually ordered a new Sarod long time back and he was just getting it back. Okay. So when I called and crying, she said, okay, I am sending that Sarod to you. So hmm. he had to send, it was like quite expensive from Kolkata to Oslo. to Oslo. And then from Oslo, I went back to France with the Sarod and the other Sarod, what was, what, what they broke the skin, I had to bring back to Kolkata to repair. Hmm. Finally, everything was shorted out. But the thing is that once it happens, you have no choice here. Until now, there is nobody who can help you. You mm. have to wait to to be in India to to repair it. Okay. So it is a very much troublesome thing. Even if we are taking insurance and everything, mm-hmm. uh, instrument is uh, our God and somebody very near. It's like a character who is very near to heart. So mm. it's very difficult. Each time I take a, a flight, I, I I tell them take care, please, and this and that, and <laughs> like a maniac. But that happened only once. Oh, okay. Uh, you've been performing for audiences across the world from Serbia, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, France, Portugal, England, Italy, and many more. So is it challenging to adapt Indian classical music to Western audience? It depends which country. It is, uh, I felt uh, uh, most of the European countries are... Um, they have already listened the people who come first mostly mm-hmm. uh, france is amazing i have i'm like uh, i i too much love france actually in a way i can speak french and i have my new home uh, sorry my own home there so it's a very i have a very nice relation with that country and the people uh, mm-hmm. other uh, other places also i most saw them adoptive quite adoptive I played in part of Africa also and uh, um, I most of the time saw that they have uh, um, I mean like general people have an idea of India culture that they are cultured and they are nice and they their music is beautiful. Sometimes they misunderstand with Bollywood and classical and everything. Yeah. Like some some says that like okay you have, you can you dance and stuff like that. But if you avoid that part of Bollywood <laughs> crazy, <laughs> it is there. They have at least an idea that Indians are doing things like yes. culture things and stuff. So uh, no, it was not a um, no, it was not a problem. I feel. I think I feel that uh, 
actually in India is strange because in India classical music lovers are a particular people and they others if you tell even my college friends some are telling mm. oh my god I cannot go to listen to you because it's so difficult yes. so yes. Th- th- there is a like kind of um, two group of people one will go mm. not go to classical because they are afraid here I saw less this fear probably because they don't know what it is from before mm-hmm. so they are not that afraid to to go to listen and then it even some very funny thing happened in France many happened but here after coming in Norway the funniest thing is my husband's few colleagues went the first mm-hmm. concert they went just because is their colleague's wife so they went just out of curiosity and then the repeated concert they, they went on went on on their own because mm-hmm. they, they liked it so this is another part that finally if I can play well if the whole thing is very matured and nice they actually like it the another problem i should say here just i it i thought about that almost every country of europe is having some people who are playing indian music so called indian music i should say but mm-hmm. it's not that sorry to say but it's not they have not learned properly it's not that good there is another problem that when they're producing their music if a normal good music lover or musician come they would not like the music and if they have not heard from before a lot of that music they would not understand they would think okay Indian music is like that a bit untuned and a bit out of tal and a bit strange <laughs> so yeah. that is one big responsibility we have to mm-hmm. produce and when we are on stage to give our best mm-hmm. and then it always works works very good is yes. like Uh, I got lot of appreciation and lot of tears actually in a way many time it happened people cried and so much touched emotionally so it like it stays inside my mind like few days like wow that much happened so yes in uh, one of your interviews you mentioned that you have been listening to western classical music uh, since childhood how important is it for a music student to listen to different genres of music oh i think you should listen actually all kind of music you mm-hmm. can like or not dislike but you should have a vivid knowledge at knowledge i means of course you cannot be performer of all all of them but you should have a knowledge what is uh, what what are those things uh, unfortunately i could not hear much jazz in my childhood because india was not getting that much that time yes. it was like western music means either pop and that was not uh, you understand very welcome in a family of india classical music even <laughs> there are some nice pops <laughs> but it was like uh, then something a bit normal than western classical and uh-huh. jazz i ca- came to hear when i grew up more uh, i could hear country jazz and all the other type that what they are actually what they are uh-huh. uh producing what they are doing and how it is working so it is i felt uh, and folk by the way a very huge part is the folk music of different country mm-hmm. uh, these things are i think is not only um, uh, important to uh, to listen it is actually influencing you also you and sometimes you i remember i had a group and there was a a uh, singer from uh, who was singing greek ancient songs so it is like t- uh, something like 2000 years back uh, old greek okay and we were rehearsing once and she was singing something it is like a folk of bengal i was so surprised i told you are just joking with me you are teasing me you are <laughs> singing a song of my place and she was like no it is from me look at my book and i was like completely surprised that is mm-hmm. a folk she is singing it is exactly the same from mm-hmm. my part of bengal of one one kind of music so it okay. can help you to uh, to to know many thing also so uh. it's really important to to right. hear it i think yeah uh you've also done a fusion of sarod with ghatam drums saxophone etc so what's your take on a fusion music well it's um i i don't do quite much uh-huh. when uh, uh, so i am not a, like um 
I'm not very hungry for fusion music, but rather to say, but when I get a good proposition or when I feel that there is something nice happening, then I play with playing with Ghatam is not at all fusion. It is existing in our our own music. Usaji okay. have done many time uh, mm-hmm. to take tabla and Ghatam both to okay. because it's like mixing up uh, South Indian rhythm and North Indian mm-hmm. and others like uh, with uh, many jazz group I played I played with a pop group as well uh, okay. with a tabla player many years yeah. in France okay. mm, and uh, <clears throat> now it was always uh, quite a nice experiment and uh, experience sorry and it is uh, yeah um, uh, how to say uh, somehow you learn not to be only in your own bubble to come out mm-hmm. from that and uh, to try something else and not only telling that I am the best, my music is the best. Uh, you come to know others and uh, the good point of them and how you can mix up and stuff. So I, I felt it is very nice, but it, it's, it's true that fusion is a confusional part. It's like some people are doing anything and telling it is fusion music. Yes. And so this I very much disagree as well. I don't mm. like to do something just to mm. uh, trigger the public and like just they can dance and drink. This uh-huh. I never did. I uh, Whenever I, I worked a lot with many kind of music, but always it was like quite serious and they really want to create something different than than what basically we are doing and then it is okay done where do you uh, get your creative inspiration from oh <laughs> that um, uh, i actually don't know because uh, when i i was little the it was um, different it was like how papa father is telling i am playing accordingly or then uh, following guruji ustadji and uh, doing accordingly after that some emotion adds up actually what mm. we actually cannot tell we, we don't know how it happens mm. uh, i know that basically as a human being i'm very emotional but when i'm taking the saroj and when i'm playing uh, 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 deep raga and i'm um, uh, kind of something diluting inside that how it happens i don't know and how much uh, what it gives impact to the people that also i actually don't know because they say something but we cannot predict we cannot say that i like a magician i do that and it makes that impact to the person Uh, It reminds me one thing, once in Paris, one lady came to me and told that she was very sick after her child's birth and how long I played, she she did not feel the pain. So, uh, and she just came to tell that because she was so surprised about that happened. And she was constantly telling that I, it, I, uh, I had no pain. I was surprised, but the whole time, how is it happened? And I was just spellbound, but I cannot answer. I don't know what happened, who, who, why she did not uh, feel the pain. So it's like she felt very much touched. So I think music has has its own, especially our music, as it is creative music. But as you know, the ragas are very much strong uh, scales that uh, actually very scientific and made long time back. The compositions are also mostly old. So I think it has uh, its own power. And then if I... Um, if I am submissive to my rag, to my playing, then something sometimes happens. Um, but particularly without, with a knowledge, we cannot gather something. We cannot tell that I am becoming emotional or something. Or it, it, it actually also happened that I am very angry on stage, <laughs> like organizer did some strange thing or the microphone is disturbing, and I'm and. After a few seconds, I get concentrated and then I forget everything else than uh, my playing and to be to be inside it, not to think about uh, a thousand things. So maybe that helps. That is like really God's grace. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Lovely. You also teach music. Uh, So can you talk a bit about your academy and what you teach? 
we i am teaching basically there are two kind of students i have one is like they are learning indian classical music in indian instrument or singing and another part is they are learning the indian classical music on their own instrument Okay. because uh, it is always like a, a good saxophonist or a good uh, violinist uh, it is very nice if they can adopt the indian music on their own instrument rather than dropping it and trying to learn a complete new instrument because it takes long time yeah. so mostly the established musician came to me to learn indian classical music on their own instrument when they are like really good musician uh-huh. when there is beginner musician it can be different or children it is different uh, they are learning uh, like they are starting up and um, <clears throat> and there are some who who even if they know they are instrument or they are a singer they want to learn another instrument then they are trying mm-hmm. to adopt sarod or sitar that is also ha- of course happening uh, these three type of people that i mostly teach you've been performing abroad for over two decades now is the experience any different now compared to back you know 1999 when you started your performance yeah. Yeah. um in a western uh, world not really in a way it's not huge uh, big uh, difference i feel there are more festivals people are more knowledgeable you can say but i was very amazed i remember in something like 2000 or 2001 i played for radio france and uh, there were after i played there were three person coming three friends coming near to me and they started to talk about the raga i played the notes oh. the shruti uh, the tal so this knowledge is there there are some people who are long long time doing indian classical music very properly they can properly teach uh, a, a person uh, very humbly so they, these things are go, these are going on only one thing i can say that maybe maybe more people are having uh, knowing indian music but you know ravi shankar ji was a name pandit ravi shankar ji that people knew in west so at the i remember in 99 i um, or 2000 i i was invited in a terrace in france and the person said so you are doing indian classical music then you must know shankar and shakti and i did not understand any of that so i was like shankar because ravi shankar ji is we are not calling like shankar we we are calling pandit ji and pandit ravi shankar ji so i did not even understand and when i understand shakti is the maclofin and uh, zakir husain's ustad uh, zakir husain's um, group so i so there are people who are listening who are trying and uh, coming to the concerts there is not a huge difference from that time to today in mm-hmm. west world at least india has actually changed a lot <laughs> but a <laughs> yes. lot of change yes. but yes. Um, not the west world i feel i feel like the people uh, yeah they they are uh, not all are knowledgeable some are and some just go out of curiosity and if they like they like and that's all what is the one thing you feel that needs to be addressed to improve the art community first of all then i should talk about india that first of all india's ideology of abusing uh, uh, young artists should change it is uh, sorry very sorry to say it is much less here in abroad in west world at least in europe i i have never uh, nev- i have never thought or saw that they are particularly proposing students that of course like not even thinking about paying them mm-hmm. it's uh, not very much mm-hmm. i i only had one of my whole this 21 years western life only once in france i got a phone call when the lady asked me what is the fees and i said and then she told me if you play half an hour can you make it less uh and i was like i can send you my photo and uh, it is it it was in there but otherwise never i heard a strange thing like that okay. um but in india it is very much going on what i hear much from my friends from from the junior people what uh, should be there is i feel personally there is two things should be done or three actually one is that the organizers should be um 
uh, educated enough to not propose without paying uh, a concert or not try to abuse them. Secondly, the artist should be having a lot of guards. Uh, I that uh, that field I particularly myself also fought a lot. I never let them uh, propose anything like okay you go and play there and the next sentence is not coming did not happen with me. So artists should ha try to gather the courage and uh, guts to tell no. I am not going to, to, to perform. And third is there are maestros who are uh, maestros or half maestros who are always continuing with their own son and daughter and uh, own people, not even their own student. Uh, and this is like going on ruthlessly, like they don't even care that uh, who is suffering and who are not that's another third thing which is very bad happens in India and like it's a regular practice now the recent thing you see will because of the coronavirus as everything has been closed they have this Facebook live a strange thing people are doing Facebook live themselves okay but then the organizers are calling you to to tell that can you play and sometimes i got call from indian organizers <laughs> they are they are so sure that i am going to play and they are so sure that they cannot imagine even to think about payment so each time i wrote the sentence that no i am not feeling to play and uh, first of all uh, i don't play for free and then they they don't understand they they feel a bit like like they are humiliated or something like i have said something very wrong to them so uh -huh. this thing and now when the Indian friends are calling from India some are telling that they are very much suffering because they are afraid that if they are um, not doing those concerts they will not get the real concert in future so like it's like you are arrested in a cage you cannot do according to your own wish that is a very bad thing a very bad so there are four four things should be done is first the organizers should understand that uh, the art is not something that you do for free and then you because you don't get your rice and dal for free so yes. that the first thing they should think that and second is the artist should not think that if i am asking a price for my performance is not uh, anything humiliating or it's not like I am uh, greedy or anything it's very normal because I should have some payment if I am a proper artist otherwise uh, when we were playing in radio television we would not be paid but they are paying a child artist even uh, so, uh, it's, so it is like uh, normal to do that and third is they should have their own prestige and guards and a bit courage to tell okay because if they are not united, if they are doing uh, uh, the kind of politics in between, then the problem is the organizers get chance. Uh, I remember in uh, just uh, like that, uh, I thought about that. It, it, in Italy, once I went in a, ra it was a radio concert, but they would have public and they were putting, of course, chairs for the public and my place was on the floor, on the carpet. So I said, I cannot play like that. And mm. he said, why? I said, the people cannot be on the chair and I am on the down. Two reasons. One is my instrument is my God. So they cannot put their feet in front of the nose of my God. And second is it doesn't look even nice if you take it in a western aesthetical way and he uh, looked at me and he said all the Indian artists come they play like that so I said well either they are not Indian artists or there is some misunderstanding in between me and you but I cannot play like that so either you make a stage or you take out the chairs so as I was taboo and standing there and I not only once I did that I many times did about many things like not talking this and that about many things I was very stubborn and standing on my point uh, then it worked then they took out the chair everything was uh, so it it is this is another thing that the artist should know that they cannot constantly butter everybody and do like very much uh, yes. Because if you go to the history of Indian classical music, you will see they had very strong personality, the old old time people, even when you know about them, how they, so why that has changed, it is not like, a, it's not a corporate world, so they don't mm -hmm. have to behave like, it's my boss, it's, organizer is not their boss, so they have to behave normally and nicely and not so, so much uh, without personality that they think it is for granted. 
that what i'm trying to tell and especially is because it's available is not one sarot player okay that sarot player so then you you both sarot player should be completely united and tell no if you are not paying neither me neither her is going to play what's your advice to our listeners and to students who want to pursue uh, the arts art field uh the basic thing is to do uh, about the art field is the basic thing is to do the your own art very seriously there is the only thing i feel after so many years of being in uh, in this platform that you have to do very seriously your your work your project you should not disrespect others you i personally feel that we are always student till our death so you should not think that if the person is much uh, junior than you in age or maybe i it happened i have group with my students even i always tell them that i have something to learn from you also it's not only i am teaching uh, so that respect you should have to 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 the other field of musicians dancers whoever it is other field people and um, but the first thing is to be serious on the subject uh, to not to think that okay i can do it it is easily like that and public people are not understanding this is a very bad idea that people are not understanding it's not true because if you are playing bad untuned whatever if you're not even in good mood people understand how this this is another field of question actually but it it is it is sure that if you are not performing well you understand that i did not perform well the people also would not like so if they want to be uh, in the professional field they have to know it from before that i should give very seriously my art and try to be very humble that's the two thing i think that is important thank you thank you so much jasadesh ji so i hope you found this interview with sudeshna bhattacharya to be interesting and insightful well that concludes our first season victory against the odds catch you all soon on our new season bringing stories of entrepreneurs who have been working in the art field and supporting the ecosystem of indian classical art forms do not forget to subscribe to our podcast for more information log on to our website kalatapasya.com